Well, good morning. My name is Rick, and if I have not personally met you, I would love to be able to do that. We have a great opportunity to gather here every Sunday at 10 o'clock. And we, well, we get to recalibrate. We meet with God's people. We focus on a God that is somewhat confusing and wonderful and terrific all at one time. And today is not going to be anything different. Last Sunday, if you're with us, we began looking at the God story found in the Bible, starting in Genesis and literally ending in the book of Revelation. To help us stay focused and encourage participation, I'm using the book, The Story. Pastors Max Lucado and Randy Frazee developed the approach, the format, the curriculum, and the artwork. I'm grateful for their guidance. I'm grateful for an opportunity for our church to be able to get a bigger picture, perhaps, a clearer picture of what all the Bible has to say. So I trust that you will be encouraged. This is going to be a 31-week journey. And through this journey, we'll be able to understand just a little bit better on who God is. This story is a story of our loving God who goes to great lengths to rescue the drowning people. Well, people who are trying to do life literally without Him. The Bible is a grand narrative that tells the story of, great, uh, of God's great love for all of humanity. This story is filled with intrigue and drama and conflict and romance and mostly redemption. I do hope this God captivates you and that you embrace his amazing offer of redemption. He offers life. Well... Freedom from the debt of sin or penalty of sin. Freedom from the power of sin that seems to strangle us. And freedom eventually from the presence of sin when, when we spend eternity with our God. As I mentioned, there are 31 chapters in the story. And the story will cover a large portion of the scripture. Not every verse, but a good chunk. And each week's message, when you come, we're going to look at an upper story, which will help us understand a little bit more of who God is. We're also going to look at a lower story so that we can understand ourselves just a tad better. And by looking at both of these stories, we trust that your hearts will be encouraged as you do your journey. Now, if you weren't here last week, I do have to review just a little bit. And I think it'll be good for all of us. And don't worry, by the time we're in week 30, we're not going to go through 29 weeks of review. But it really is important that we get a handle on this first week. You see, God created a perfect environment, a perfect couple, and had a perfect relationship with them. But Adam and Eve chose to break the relationship with God and begin a horrific, horrible cycle of pain 
and death, literally going from bad to worse. God did find a righteous man, though, in the midst of a world filled with Adam and Eve's descendants who basically chose to ignore God in light of their own selfish desires. Noah was that man of faith who listened to God and was rescued from the flood waters. It didn't take long, though, after the waters dissipated, before the godless prevailed, before the godless behavior prevailed again. God continues. God continues. God continues to offer life in the midst of a broken world. But man continues. Man continues to chase the life apart from God. As a result, his life or our lives who live apart from God continue this spiral of horrific consequences and death. We see God's single passion unfolding one story at a time in every chapter of the story until we find, well, or read the final chapter of the Bible. God hopes each one of us will take his gracious offer of life and return to the garden. The bottom line is, we don't have a Garden of Eden, but we do have a God and have an opportunity for a relationship that in spite of this broken world, we can experience abundant living and eventually live with him for eternity. In spite of man's stubbornness, God did not give up his vision of doing life with people he created. After the garden and the flood, it was a time for a different approach. Let's pray before we look at chapter 2 of the story found in Genesis, Romans, and Hebrews. Father, we do ask that you would open our eyes. We pray especially today, Father, that we would see you so clearly, that we would understand your love for us and your desire for us to experience this amazing relationship. We also ask you, God, that you would be with all the other churches, all the other fellowships, all the other gatherings that are teaching your word today. All over this county, in this state, and in our world, there are churches gathering, and they are praising your name, and they are feeding the flock, and, and your people are being energized. And we pray this day that it would not only happen here at Crosspoint, but that it would happen all over. Because we know your word is powerful. And you are worthy of praise and glory. And we know, God, that there are times in our busy schedules where we become blind. Or the fog seems to roll in. And we need a reminder of how faithful and how good you are. Lord, for the times when we're confused, and I know that each one of us go through those times, the times that, well, the day looks dark and the confusion seems to prevail. We ask you, Father, that you would, with your breath, blow away the fog. 
and give us encouragement. We are grateful to meet today and pray in your name that you'd receive honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 2. God decides the best way to continue his grand vision of community with us was to establish a nation, a special group of like-minded people intent on knowing God as much as he wanted to know them. God would reveal himself to them and offer them a plan that would draw them back into a relationship with him. God wanted this nation to experience life, to experience the very best together. God's plan to accomplish this was unique, and I'll just say it, even odd. He chose an old, and it's not bad, but in this case it's a little unique, but he chose an old childless couple to be the parents of this new nation. God invited Abram and Sarai to leave home and live as nomads. Very odd. If you would, turn your Bibles, and we have, uh, again, if, if you've been reading rather even through the book, or you've been taking your bulletins and you see the scriptures ahead of time, there are a lot of scripture that we're going to cover. We won't be reading everything, but we will re be reading a good portion each week. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12, and uh, I'm going to start at verse 1. If you don't have a Bible and, and can't follow along, you can, of course, follow along on the screen behind me. But in chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord instructed. God graciously promised to give Abram and Sarai children <clears throat> and a great nation. This nation, literally the Israelites, would bless all the peoples of the earth. So Abraham went. Put yourself in this spot. You're 75 years old. Your wife is 65. Things are looking pretty good in Haran. All your family's around. Your flocks and everything really are going, well, quite well. God appears. We don't know how he appeared at that moment, but, but he knew, Abram knew very clearly it was God. And God made a promise. Hey, I'm going to make a great nation. In fact, this nation is going to be so unbelievable. It's going to be so wonderful that it's going to bless all the peoples of all the earth. That's what's going to happen. Now again, 
hearing from God is pretty cool. Listening to God, well, it isn't always everyone's priority, but it was Adam's, uh, excuse me, Abram's priority. We find in Hebrews 11, 8, and again, we're going to go to Hebrews, we're going to go to Romans, and, and we're going to try to bring a little bit of chronology in this, in this whole story. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, the author of Hebrews writes this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when he was called to leave home. Just let that sit for a while. Home. You leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. We're going to be talking a whole lot about faith, but this guy was literally crazy. All right? Who would just do that? God did talk to him. God did show up. But I want you to just leave. You're going to leave everything, and just as you leave, I will guide you. You are starting to get a little bit of an understanding of what faith is and actually what kind of faith really God loves. Well, God did clearly intervene in their lives, but God seemed to be a little bit slow in the process. As you read through our scriptures, you find out he was 75 when he left. He's going to have a great nation. In order to do that, you need children. Again, a little bit old, but apparently, okay, God was going to do something. Ten years later, ten years after he heard this call, ten years after he said, okay, God, whatever you say, I mean, sometimes we get hard on biblical characters, don't we? But how many of you would wait 10 years? It's hard for us to wait 10 minutes sometimes, right? So 10 years, okay, we listen to God. We're in a different land. We're supposed to have kids. How you feeling, Sarai? Eh, not pregnant yet. Okay, well, maybe next month. And you just go on, and you go on, and you go on. Nothing. Nothing. Well, they came to this conclusion. Maybe God needs help. You know, sometimes God isn't that strong. God needs help. And so many of you know the story, but, but the idea was, hey, why don't we try to have kids through our handmaiden? I have Hagar. She's a little bit younger. Maybe we'll have kids that way. And basically, that's what happened. Hagar got pregnant, and Ishmael was born. But God did not make Ishmael into the heir. He did give Ishmael the opportunity to make a great nation. You would think, well, God, we just need to help the process. Well, the scriptures tell us about 13 more years went by. Whoa, Abraham is 99. Sarah is 89. God says, no, you're going to have a son. I don't know. 
When you're 91, you start praying differently. When you're 93, you're going, hey, Lord, 96, 98, Lord, Lord, really? You know, I'm, I'm having trouble even like, you know, getting out of bed. Are you serious? But look at Genesis 17, starting at verse 1. Genesis 17. When Abram, when Abram excuse me, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. I have to stop right there. When I actually even said that, goosebumps came. Our God's amazing God. He knew his plan. So he meets with them at 99, and he gives them a very clear perspective by sharing a certain name of God. He says, hey, Abraham, how you doing today? Just fine, God, I'm 99. I am God. I am El Shaddai. I am the powerful God. I am capable of doing everything anything. That's the God you're talking to. Oh, okay. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you, which I will guarantee and give you countless descendants. Same thing. At this, Abram fell down on the ground. God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. In fa- instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. And I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. And I will be your possession forever and I will be their God. Look at verse 9. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. Well, having a baby at 99 made no sense. But God is good with his promises, and Isaac was born. But so many of you know what happened as you've read through some of these scriptures. The next part of this story gets really bizarre. At about 15 years old, Isaac is doing what 15-year-olds do. Play some hoop. Dad walks out to the basketball court and says, Isaac, we're going to go on a little trip. Yeah, I like that, Dad. Let's do it. Isaac had no idea what the trip was. But God had met with him and said, Abraham, I'd like you to go to Mount Moriah. I'd like you to sacrifice your only son. 
Oh, the scriptures tell us the next day he left. After a little while, because 15, 16, 17-year-olds get a little curious, he saw again the wood, he saw the fire, he saw everything that needed for the sacrifice, except he did not see the sacrifice. And he just said, Dad, what's the deal? And his dad goes, the Lord will provide. Oh, <laughs> the Lord will provide. You know, what God asks him to do is unfathomable. It is. Kill, well, first of all, the guy that's going to be, well, the offspring of all these people. But just as Abraham raises the knife out of obedience, there's a shout. Stop, Abraham. Stop. And God provides a ram so conveniently, so perfectly. And the ram was, well, killed. The blood was shed. And the sacrifice was accepted. Oh, Abraham obeyed. He had already seen God do the impossible by giving him a son at 99. His faith was strong. Back in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17, 18, and 19, so interesting. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Some of us stop right there and go, why does God test? What's that all about? We're going to talk more about that. But Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Listen to this. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac actually died, God was able to bring him back to life again. In a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. How cool is this? God tested Abraham's faith and he passed. Then we find out that Isaac eventually marries a gal named Rebekah. And Rebekah eventually has a couple twins and it's Esau and Jacob. And we find out that Jacob especially was a rascal. He was a deceiver. And he's going to be one of our forefathers. He's going to be one of the people that God's going to use. Really? A deceiver. Well, later in Jacob's life, he wrestled with God. Literally and figuratively. God then spoke after this event, after he had met God, after he realizes that God is God. In Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 3, Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel, or Bethel, and settle there. Build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when he fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all your pagan idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. 
We are now going to Bethel, where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress. He has been with me wherever I have gone. God continually pursues and meets and talks and encourages his people. Jacob, as you know, had 12 children. And from these children come the 12 tribes forming the nation of Israel. Oh, things are moving quite fast now. But God honored his promise. He honored his covenant to Abraham. This covenant established a new approach for living in fellowship with his children. It's been about faith from the start. And Abraham was righteous because of his faith. I'd love for you to turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans is in the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul. And we're going to stay here just for a little bit. But, but this, again, is such a fun chapter. Because it really talks about Abraham's faith. In fact, when Paul wants to use an example of what faith literally looks like, he goes back to Father Abraham. So in Romans chapter 4, starting at verse 1, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he could have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. We are all counted righteous because of our faith. In Romans chapter 4, verse 11, they are counted as righteous because of faith. Again, some of us may get hung up on the word righteous. Righteous does not mean perfect, although righteous are perfect. Righteous means this. It's people who are obeying God, walking with God, listening to God, responding to God. When they sin in their life, they confess their sin and they're rejoined with God. If there's sin in anyone's life, it separates you. It breaks your fellowship from God. That's why Jesus died 2,000 years ago and shed his blood so that we might be restored and redeemed. But because of our nature, we continually rebel against God and continually try to live life without God. Every time we sin, every time we rebel against God, that builds a barrier. And confession is what, again, restores us. But a right relationship with God depends on faith. Go to verse 13 of chapter 4. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. 
For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happens because Abraham believed in the God who brings back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. And look at verse 18, so key. Even when there was no hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing he would become the father of many nations. He got that first message at 75. Almost 25 years later, it came to be. Verse 19, And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. But look at verse 20. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Now some of you, again, read through the Scripture and say, well, it sure sounds like he wavered. I mean, it sure sounds like he doubted God at times. And sure, he acted differently at times. It does. But when God looks at faith, there is something that he sees differently. A person that trusts you, trusts him in spite of circumstances. Look at the next line. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. So what God is literally saying is that when we don't waver, when we trust God, when things don't look exactly right or perfect, but we still trust God, our faith grows. We have stronger faith. Verse 21, he was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. He didn't get his timing, but he was convinced. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous as we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. This is an amazing story. The promise is given as a free gift and received by faith. You know, if we're honest, we struggle with the same tensions today. Our everyday lives, our story, it's filled with doubt, confusion, trials, and temptation. We feel at times God's way is foolish. 
Now, we probably wouldn't say that verbally, but we sure think it. We do. Every time we do something contrary to what God's Word is, we're actually saying and shouting that I'm smarter than you, God. I know more than you. Your scriptures must be a little bit archaic, God. Your ways must really not be that good. Because look around, nobody does this, God. Nobody gives because they love you. They give, well, to get brownie points or whatever. We oftentimes become impatient and think our way is best. And really, Abraham displayed that. We forget his promises, and we listen to the enemy's lies. We forget what God says. And I tell you, I don't think there could have been anything more powerful than the enemy's lies during Abraham's life. 75 was a stretch. 85 was a bigger stretch. 95 was, this is not even a stretch. You know, the enemy's saying, really, Abraham, this is not going to happen. Then uh, your God is just, kind of, well, actually, your God is powerful, and your God said it was going to happen, and it is going to happen, and, and we forget the promises. We oftentimes even think, as Abraham did, that we need to help God at times. But every time, and maybe you haven't been around long enough or been a believer long enough, but every time we help God, do you know that it doesn't go well? It just doesn't. doesn't. Abraham and Sarah trusted God. And because of their faith, the story continues. As I said, we're going to always look at an upper story and a lower story. And putting all this in perspective, let's look at the upper story and and what we can learn about God today. First of all, God's plan isn't always logical to us. It's not. I'm not just talking to young people right now, okay? I'm talking to everybody, Every one of us, we often think, well, God's plan is always the plan that makes life comfortable. God's plan is always the plan that makes me happy. God's plan is always the plan that makes me rich. God's plan is always, and you just fill it in. That's not always God's plan. There are surgeries in God's plans. Now, I'm not saying he's causing this because our world is broken, but he allows us to go through things that just don't seem to make sense. There are people in our lives that make, well, really poor decisions, and you or we suffer as a result of it. There are churches that suffer because of the rebelliousness of sheep in their church. And you can go on and on and on. And God, are you sleeping? God, what is going on? Well, God's plans are not always logical. 
The people he uses are not always logical. They just aren't. They're so flawed. Your pastor's flawed. Everyone sitting in this congregation is flawed somewhere, somehow. And yet God says, you're really valuable. And I want you to be part of my plan. And I want you to be on mission with me. And I want you to mirror to others who God is in this broken world. What a privilege. What a privilege. God's methods don't always make sense. They don't. But God tests our faith. You know, there are some people that really like school. Mostly because they do really, really well in school. And tests. Not a big deal. Hey, if you know it, what's going to happen? Well, there's some people that even know it and don't do well in tests. And then there's some that really don't know it and the tests reveal the evident, you know, uh, you just didn't study. But you know what tests do? Tests actually show our progress. That's all. And hopefully, by the time you're 50 and you've walked with God for a long time, or 60 and you've walked with God for a longer time, and you're 70 and you've walked with God for a longer time, you are unbelievably connected with God and you are more mellow and you have more faith and it's been tested all along and then you rise to the occasion when injustice and unfairness happens. And you don't get it. But you have a God that has been so faithful to you that you can trust God. And as your faith is being tested, the only thing that happens is that it gets stronger. You've all been around people and say, oh, you must have the gift of faith. Now that may happen, but my guess is, is that that person, that man, that woman has just flat out walked with God for a really, really, really long time. They've seen God. They've understood what God has already done. I mean, if you had a baby at 99, do you think you'd have faith in God to do just about anything? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, every time. Hey, there's Isaac. <laughs> I was 100 years old when that dude came around. You think God can do it? God can do anything. Anything, anything, anything. So when he says something, okay, God, doesn't make sense, but I'm going to believe you because no one could do what you just did over here. So even if you ask me to sacrifice your son, that's not even a big deal. I know you. You're good. You asked me to do something, I'm going to do it. I don't even know what this is going to look like. I'm pretty sure I didn't think a ram was going to show up. I kind of thought (laughs) he'd die and then all of a sudden, like he'd raise from the dead. That's cool. No. And God is faithful. God is so faithful. God will pursue us, even when we don't deserve pursuing. And now the lower story. Lower story. You know, it's all about flawed people with faith. Doesn't that encourage your heart? Doesn't that? It's about people who, living apart from God, are drowning. But when they are rescued, their Savior 
becomes their Lord. They can begin to trust their Lord. And even when the scriptures don't make sense, they can put their faith in the Lord. And he will honor that. And he will walk with you through the highs, through the lows, through the valleys, through the mountaintops, through times that you don't get and don't understand. All I know is all the way through this scripture, God recorded this, by faith Abraham listened and obeyed. I'll tell you, that's my prayer. Rick, you are a stubborn one. From the very, very beginning of life, you learn the hard way. Why don't you just listen to God, obey me, and thrive? Well, because... I... Okay, I don't know better. I'm not smarter. You, you're my good, good father. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. And you're going to be so honored, God. You are. He used flawed people. You know, following God does not need to be complicated. Neglecting to follow God is what makes life complicated. Can I say that again? Following God does not need to be complicated. But neglecting to follow God is what makes life complicated, period. Don't be deceived. Lack of faith and disobedience has horrific consequences. And good intentions don't count. Oh, God, you know, boys will be... No, no, no. Good intentions. Well, I thought, God, if I... No. His word is revealed to us. Every word is inspired. We have an opportunity to open this and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. And our response is yes. You know, Abraham lived to be quite old. But at his funeral, and I shared this with our worship team this morning, at his funeral, the, um, well, whoever did his funeral, it could have been pretty short. And all he said was this, we honor you, Abraham, because every time God said to do something, you said yes. I'd love that at my funeral. Every time God said something, yes. 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 And that's because of faith, and you've walked with God for a long time, and He's always come through. Wow. How cool is that? 
before I pray, just a reminder, next week, all the different things are in your bulletin. There's some discussion questions. We hope that in your family or with your spouse, you're able to just kind of chat through some things, encourage you. There's some reading for next, next week, and we trust again that, that your God will be so big and wonderful and powerful that you just are enamored with this amazing God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Abraham. I thank you for the rascal Jacob. I thank you, Father, for how faithful you are with with people who struggle with faith. But those that don't, those that take you for your word, those that listen to you, God, oh, you love. You walk with them. Lord, we know your plans are not our plans often. And we know, Lord, that your ways are not our ways often. And that we need to trust you in spite of times when things just don't make sense. So, Father, empower this congregation. Would we grow in our faith? And the only way that happens is when our faith is tested. When we go through tough times. When it's not comfortable. When life does not make sense and we still trust you. God, that is when we see you clearly. Would that happen right here? We thank you for Abraham's example. It's just crazy but you loved the way Abraham trusted you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.